Today's episode is about Mutunrayo Oladeji. She's many things, a podcaster, a communications manager, and most importantly, a mom to a two and a half year old girl. <laughs> In the house, she's very, I um, she's very high energy. Mm. So she's like running all over the place. Ooh. There are no hot toys everywhere. Coming to you, following you about. Then, well, sometimes she's kind of like mixed because sometimes she wants to be really close to you. And sometimes mm-hmm. she wants to be like, no, I want to be by myself. Like, don't touch me. That right. kind of thing. She's very like, she already knows about like boundaries. Like if you want to touch her and she doesn't want you to touch her, she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> her daughter has an interesting personality. She's all lovey-dovey when she wants to be. But when it comes to boundaries, she's quite assertive and independent too. For a lot of moms out there, including Motunrayo, the journey to becoming a mom is mixed. At least, that's what I've heard. It's a journey filled with love, sacrifice, and an immense sense of responsibility. But it's also a journey that can be downright scary for a woman as she starts to navigate the ups and downs of motherhood. From sleepless nights to the endless diaper changes, from the moments of pure joy to the moments of frustration and self-doubt, it's a challenge that has the power to transform a person's life forever. The point is, becoming a mom is not a bed of roses. And after being a mother for about two and a half years, Mosterio understands how rewarding and difficult it is. I've had friends say, oh, you know, I've planned how many children I want to have and I want to have them like this. Like, I never really thought about children that I knew that it was a lot of work that's one thing I knew mm-hmm. but I never really gave him much thoughts until when I was like close to the time I was beginning to think of having a child as you heard before her baby came she didn't really think too much about the consequence of being a mom about what it entails now things are very different and that's what today's episode is about it's about the consequences of motherhood how it changes not just the course of your life but also changes you in the process. What happens when you make that decision to have a child? What do you gain and what do you give up? Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin and I like girls. This is a narrative storytelling podcast about African women and the different experiences life throws at us for being women. In today's episode, through the eyes of our guest, Motorayo, we learn the different ways motherhood can impact women. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Hi, I'm Motorayo Oladeji. I'm a mom of one at the moment. She's two and a half. I live in Nottingham in England, and I work as a communications manager by day, and I host a podcast called Life in Brown by, well, during the weekends. Motoraya lives in Nottingham with her husband and kid now, but she grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. She's the middle child. She's got one older brother and one younger one. Oh, she spent a significant part of her teenage years in boarding school in Ogun State, Nigeria. So for me, I feel like I was, I think for I was more introverted. So I liked, even though I had brothers, I also liked reading like fiction because my mom reads a lot of fiction. And so maybe because I, I saw my mom doing that. So I was the type of child that would like read like Annie Blyton, and Jacqueline Wilson, all those kind of children's books. And um, so that was the type of child I was. Motoraya was quite withdrawn growing up. She preferred to stay holed up in a corner with her books. 
And the fact that she spent a significant time in boarding school meant she didn't really get a chance to bond as much with her parents and siblings. You know how there are some women who plan their marriage and the number of kids they want to have way before they're all grown up? Like, when I was in secondary school, I had a classmate who had over 50 names stored in a notepad. They were names she liked a lot, and her grand plan was to pick out at least four names from the list for her future children. Well, <laughs> Motorara was not one of those people. The thought of marriage or a kid didn't really occur to her as much growing up. Until she met her husband and fell in love. She got married early in June 2017. She was 23. When I so when I got married, I know I before we I think I had a conversation with my husband. Maybe we planned like maybe not to have children immediately. To be honest, when I got married, I was even looking for a job. So I was like, I didn't have a job. And we could manage on my husband's salary, but I'm type of person that, or at least as I've become a parent, I like to think of the, the type of life that the child will have. Not necessarily like the child has to have everything, but at least have a decent life. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, in terms of m- marriage, so I got married and then for the first two years, I well, we, we didn't have any children. And then I think in the third year was when we started like thinking about having a child. And at some point, I won't lie, like, and before we were about to like start, I got a biscuit and I was like, am I going to do this? You know? <laughs> and I was like, I don't think, you know, when you're about to go on a ride in the theme park and you're like, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go on there and then you get there. You're like, okay, I don't oh, think I, I want think to. I want to. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Motora eventually went on the theme park ride, though, <laughs> figuratively. When she got a good job that she liked and felt settled in her marriage, she started trying for a child. Eventually, she got pregnant in November 2020. And I was like, Terry, you've already married this person. I really was like, you cannot like turn back right now. Like, you're already here. So I was like, okay, you know, you now close your eyes. I like, you're like, okay, you know, let me just jump into this and don't even think about it. So by the time I was pregnant, I, I actually got found out I was pregnant just like maybe a week before the world shut down for the pandemic. We all know what that was like. The pandemic, I mean, and we never want to go back there. It was the absolute ghetto. Working while pregnant, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, was unpredictable. So, naturally, Mutunayo was stressed and scared for the well-being of her baby. Yeah, so tell, tell me a little bit. That COVID struggle, by the way, is so real. Just putting that out there. Tell me a little bit about um, working while pregnant. Because I know, it's. I guess for a lot of people, it's not easy. So how did you make adjustments? I know you were working from home, so maybe that helps, but... Just give me the breakdown of how you made it work. Okay, so what I did was I actually told my manager earlier in my pregnancy because okay. I can't remember if I need... So before they even announced that everybody should... So I found I was pregnant and it was like, oh, there's COVID about that time. They had a lockdown everywhere. So I, announced, so I hadn't planned to tell my employer that I was pregnant that early. But because there was COVID and I don't know what was going on, so I said, oh... I'm actually pregnant. Maybe I was like one week pregnant. I didn't even know. But I saw them really, really early. I saw my manager really, really early. Mm-hmm. And then, so what they said was, even before like everybody in the office started working from, from home, I started working from home a few days earlier. For um, So All they right. were like quite um willing to like adjust. And also because with pregnancy you get tired, you know, you can sit down. And you, so like what my, with work, they were like, if you're tired, you can like go and you don't have to make up the hours you just go and do you just do the work that you can do 
Remember that one of the key reasons Motorara decided not to try for a child as soon as she got married was to establish stability in her job. Well, that decision to wait was worth it because she now had a solid workplace that supported her throughout her pregnancy. She has switched roles now, but at the time, she worked as an employer engagement coordinator at a university in England. So let me go back to the time where you, you found out that you're pregnant. I mean, it's clear you're, you're even going for all your appointments and all of that. Um, what were the immediate changes that you noticed, not just in your body, but just generally in terms of how you were feeling? In terms of the one thing I always remember, I'll probably start with the physical changes, mm-hmm. was I was fortunate that I didn't have like very terrible sickness. So like I had, people say morning sickness can be all day. I had just morning sickness. So, mm. and because I, and I knew what triggered the morning sickness. So it was like toothpaste, brushing my teeth. So wow. because I worked from home, home, I was watching that I wouldn't brush my teeth till like maybe much later in the day so that I wouldn't like trigger the sickness. And then I had um bone like regularly. The nurses at the hospital had also informed her that her daughter's position in the womb was weird. So it was difficult for Motorola to feel movement. She spent a significant part of the pregnancy wondering, is this baby moving? Is she okay? That was mentally exhausting. She also had to deal with the general anxiety of being pregnant during the pandemic. At the time, nobody had really done research on how COVID-19 affects pregnant women. So there was a lot of uncertainty. And that bothered Motunrayo. Fast forward to November 2020. After successfully staying healthy and having positive checkups, Motunrayo gave birth to her daughter. As we all know, childbirth is excruciating. After the break, I'll walk you through how Motunrayo managed to pull through the pain. Welcome back. Motoraya did not have the smoothest birth process. I mean, nothing about giving birth is exactly smooth, to be honest. Her mom and dad showed up a few days before her due date, you know, to support her and generally help around with anything that would ease her birthing process. So before the um, the day that I went into labor, I'd been going for appointments. And you know, they were like, oh, the water broke, did this happen? Me, I was, I was actually like... I wasn't till today. I'm not even sure where my water broke. I'm like, I think it broke. I'm not. It must have. It must have. But um, at some point, so I'd ask them. I you're supposed to write like all these pregnancy plans and this is what mm. I want birthing plan. I forgot to write. <laughs> I forgot to write the birthing plan and then I. So when was I? St- my daughter was one in a Saturday. On Friday, I went out to get like takeaway and then had it, and then I went went to bed. And I was like feeling, you know, like contractions and pain. And I, I they'd give me this like thing, like this machine. I can't remember what the thing does, like a tens machine or something. You're supposed to use it to help relieve pain. I, I've forgotten everything that what I was using the machine for. But anyway, it was supposed to help me, but it was not really helping. And so I knew, okay, at some point I need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. She chose her husband as her birthing partner. He was allowed in the hospital while she was in labor. Her parents waited outside because it was the COVID-19 era and only one person was allowed in the room with her. So I started on like simpler, what I call it, simpler med- um, pain relief. So like gas and air. And the only reason why I knew about gas and air was because there's this Patricia Bright on YouTube. When she, I think I watched one of her videos and I remember she was having gas and air. So, that, so I first started with that. So I started with that gas and air and then 
Towards the end, my husband laughed at me. That I was just taking it. I said, "You don't really understand the pain that I was in. That's why you're laughing. That I was taking it as an S so much." Okay, <laughs> we were laughing a lot here. So let me explain this gas and air thing. Gas and air is one of the pain relief options for women in labor. It's basically a mixture of oxygen and nitrous oxide gas. You breathe in the gas and the air through a mask or mouthpiece, which you hold yourself. You breathe it in just as the contraction starts. And according to the NHS, it works best if you take slow, deep breaths. Now, it won't remove all the pain, but it can make it more bearable. Motoria was in so much pain that she was willing to try gas and air to make things better. I had that and then I was really, really tired at some point. So they gave me some something to help me sleep. I didn't know that you could sleep while you're, while you're in labor. But I had to sleep and then they woke me up at some point to continue the whole process. And so I started laboring from the night before and then I gave birth by like 5 p.m. in the evening. So it was... um. It was just, it was, it was, the, I think for me, the labor, the labor was hard and it was painful. And it was like, when is this going to end? Motora had tears during her labor that had to be stitched up by a surgeon. Despite getting an epidural during the birth process, she says the pain she went through was unimaginable. She later learned from the doctor that without the epidural, she would have been in even more pain. Motoria was very tired after having her baby. She was fascinated by the little one and also very relieved to have a healthy baby. But she was tired and sleepy. She spent three days in the hospital trying to navigate being a new mom. Her husband couldn't stay with her because of the COVID policies. So she felt a bit overwhelmed. So giving birth was crazy, right? Motoria says her post-birth experience was even crazier. That was, I think this was the beginning of like my, well, my struggles was like with breastfeeding. So I had planned to breastfeed my child, to breastfeed my daughter. And then um, the, it, it wasn't, well, like, it wasn't, they were trying to like teach me and nothing was happening. So when I got home, they um, sent like nurses, health visitors to come and check on you to see, make sure that you're okay. And so I told them that this is what was happening. I was trying to breastfeed and then they gave me advice like, okay, try this. Um, breast pump the first one was to try one manual breast pump that manual breast pump the stress was too much so i spoke to one of my friends that's had that's had children she, she said she like pumped like used electric pumps so right. i was like okay and she, she said what she did was like she exclusively so she like pumped throughout so she did like put the child in the breast she mainly just pumped and right. put in the bottle if it's not already clear one of Mutura's biggest struggles was finding the right position to place her baby so she'd be able to breastfeed this is a common struggle for new moms. She tried so many different methods, but nothing worked. She felt really sad that she had to use bottles as she was super keen on breastfeeding. What the nurses recommended to me was like to hold the child like a rugby ball position. I'd never heard of it, rugby hold. So that was like literally how the position that I used to my daughter oh. was like nearly three months. I'd and also the only place I found comfortable to like breastfeed her was in my bed. That's such a major change and I had to google this. The rugby hold is basically when you sit with a pillow along your side, position the baby under your arm at the side that you want to feed from with the baby's hips close to your own hips. The baby's nose leveling up your nipples and your palms supporting the baby's neck. Okay, 
In the end, Motonaria figured out how to deal with her breastfeeding challenge and slowly began transitioning her daughter from the bottle to being breastfed. And I remember because my mom found it really strange, like this rugby hole. That's the like cultural differences. Because my mom yeah. also has like similar breast size to me. So she's like, no, 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 that's not how to do it. And the thing is, my mom, the last time my mom had a child, that like she breastfed a child was like 18 years ago. <laughs> and I was like, like she's like, oh no, but I, I did this like when I was, you know, I, I did it for your for brother for like two years. I know how, I'm like, everybody is different. Just because you, like it really stressed me out. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to deal with it. So the point I was like, okay, I'll just breastfeed the child in my room and that'll be, nobody will be there to like, say you're positioning the child. They'll be like, are you sure the child is okay? Are you sure the child is fine? Are you sure the child is, and I'm like, I just want to do what I'm, like I'm already stressed. <laughs> I'm already stressed. Are you, you're not adding your stress on top of me. I feel like every mom who has had an older relative stay with them after giving birth can relate to this. There's that cultural clash where they almost always want things done their way while dealing with this clash as well as figuring out breastfeeding Motorola lost a lot of sleep again this is something many moms can relate to your sleep schedule changes instantly so of course there's like sleeping changes like because oh yes. the child um doesn't sleep three nights the child wakes up so definitely like adapting to i don't think you can ever ad- adapt but just like waking up every few hours sometimes struck because when the child now finally goes back to sleep you may then struggle to go back to sleep mm. but so i know people find this advice like annoying when they say like oh sleep when the baby sleeps like okay what if you have things to do and you're telling me to sleep when the baby sleeps yeah but um what what i found in terms of changes was because she used to sleep during the day sometimes i would sleep during that time as well that may sound contradictory but it was what worked for her. She did not really have a lot of tasks to do during the day. Her mom was around and cooked enough food for the entire family. Her husband did the food shopping and also hired someone to clean the house. So she had the time to actually sleep when the baby was sleeping. She also used to go on walks around the neighborhood to avoid being stuck indoors for long hours. But one of my neighbors gave me like this tip, like, oh, it's like she'll just put the child in the pram and go on walks, like in the area. So oh. I used to do, I used to do that and it it was like good for I don't know if it was good for, at least for me to get like fresh air but also like the ch- like my daughter would like fall asleep in the pram so at least that was like thirty minutes by the time you walk around the area mm. for like twenty minutes and she's asleep at least you can calm down you can't even think you can hear yourself yeah. <laughs> and then when we get home she will continue sleeping so like it, it like makes her fall asleep so that used to be like a nice way to deal with that. So, Motora experienced the fiscal struggle of recovering from the pain of labor, of breastfeeding, of adjusting to a new sleep and feeding schedule, of constantly making sure the baby is okay. But what about the mental struggle? So, like, mentally, because, for example, I didn't realize a few days after I had her, I started, like, sweating in my sleep. So, of course, that would make you, like, oh, no. worried. Like, why am I sweating? <laughs> but apparently it was because the milk was coming in. And so that already... Oh. So that kind of... Because there are changes that you didn't expect. You're, like, healing, if depending on what type of birth you had, whether it's C-section. At least for me, it was, like, a vaginal birth. So that also... It, it, because you're wearing, like, adult... Like with like diapers, so you're like trying to understand why am I why are things so different? Like you bleed mm-hmm. bleeding and all of that. I get it. Her physical symptoms affected her mentally. 
She was constantly overwhelmed and anxious about the after effects of giving birth. Why am I bleeding so much? Why am I sweating so much? How come I can't breastfeed? Why is it so hard to cope, to sleep? It's a lot. And it can definitely impact you psychologically. The physical changes affects, at least for me, affected the way that I was. And also because I felt like maybe the things that I want, like the things you do for you could still watch TV, you could still read a book, but it's just like you we wouldn't still have the time to do that. Yeah. So like I make a podcast, like of course that was like on hold. There was no way I was going to do because yeah. <laughs> I had to like focus on my my child and my life right now. And like my husband would say, like he, he felt like I wasn't myself. Maybe because mm-hmm. I couldn't really remember, like, because for me. Also, I used to like be like really forgetful. Like, tell me something. I'm down. I'll forget. And I'll be like, oh, it's not because I didn't want to say thank you. I actually forgot. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's I think a pregnancy I was with, and childbirth thing. <laughs> I was still like forgetfulness and also um, just I think maybe just the stress of knowing that okay, this is like my responsibility now and I need to like deal with it. And I felt a little bit overwhelmed. I, th- yeah. I think the whole thing was just the overwhelm of it so that kind of made me mentally tired (laughs) i cannot even imagine how swamped motoria must have been i mean having a child is no joke thankfully she was on maternity leave from work and didn't have to worry about that part of her life for a while but at what point does one adapt or fully just adjust after having a child is that even possible we'll explore that and more after this short break Welcome back. I'm not a mom, but I've learned from other moms and Motunayo that being a mom is a lifelong endeavor. You can adjust to one phase, but there's always another phase. And mommy never really ends. I mean, I'm almost 30 and my mother who just clocked 57 still worries about me. Yeah, I definitely feel like a sense of responsibility towards her, like Mm -hmm. to provide for her, to make sure that she has food and clothing and all of that. And it can... The, the the perfect way is for me to be like take it one day at a time but of course sometimes you feel like oh my goodness when is this going to end <laughs> and you feel like even when I wake up I'll be like oh where is she like you know the first thing mm-hmm. that comes to my head is like to make sure that she's okay Motora says there's no hack for motherhood you just have to take it one day at a time parent as best as you can put up all the measures you can to protect your child and well <laughs> hope that everything turns out okay what's the best part of being a mom for you Hmm. The best part, I think now, because my daughter is like nearly two and a half, Mm -hmm. sometimes she'll just come and hug you and she'll pat you on the back and kiss you. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, so lovely. And then yesterday we went, I went to like drop her as her nursery and we went on the bus. So we're like walking and I was just like, even though she walks really, because she's small, like she walks slowly. But it was just the fact that on the road I was walking on a few years ago, she was like in my tummy or not Aww. here. And now she's here. And I'm like, oh, like she's just, she can be stressful like when she's crying. But I think like, I don't know, like the amount of love that I like have for this, for this little person is, I don't know, you're making me want to cry. <laughs> like, it's a lot. At this point during the recording, Motorola was almost tearing up. She got so emotional talking about how much she loves and cherishes her daughter. It was really cute. 
So there's that cute part. But everyone knows that sometimes children can be a lot to handle. So even when she's frustrated about something regarding her little one, she's still mindful of the parenting technique she uses to raise her daughter. I think I take more of like a gentler, softer approach. I guess like you have to be, I've seen like you have to be firm but kind. So that's the approach I try to take with being a parent. She's still very little. I don't know if the approach would change as she ages, but it would, um, it would, for me, I I don't think like, like beating a child, I don't really agree with that. I don't agree with. Yeah. I, I'm still like researching. I feel like as she ages, I'll need to research what kind of approach to take in terms of teaching and discipline and all of that. But I don't really believe in the child should be, um, you should use a cane or smack. I 100% agree with Motorai on this. It's an African thing to sort of beat the child whenever they are misbehaving as some type of disciplinary measure. I don't think it works, mostly because my mom smacked me a lot as a child. And I still ended up doing whatever the hell I wanted. So now that Motoraya's daughter is a bit older, she has a daily routine for her that sort of helps to keep her in check. On most weekends, she lets the little one run around the park, you know, to burn energy. The thing about running around is that you eventually get tired. And when you get tired, you sleep. It's a win-win situation because her daughter gets to have fun and play in the park. And when she gets tired and sleeps, Motoraya uses the opportunity to get some tasks done. I work standard nine to five and so we have pattern. She goes, she's like a full-time nursery. She goes every day, comes back around six o'clock. That's standard. So, and then in the evening, we just, we kind of have what we do, like maybe eat and all of that and then go to bed. Talk about like the best part now of being a mom, now that she's older. What's the most challenging part? Like, what do you still struggle with? I think most challenging is, the fact that your time isn't your own anymore. So right. like you kind of feel like you have to. And for me, I'm the type of person I like to do different things. So I like to, I like to like maybe have a blog, do this podcast, do this, do that, do this. So it's like you can't just do everything. You have to like pick and choose what you want to do. And sometimes you feel like you're missing out on certain things. You feel like, oh, you know, like the, the freedom to like go about and do stuff. And you're like, oh, actually, I can't do that. My my child refuses to sit in her posture. So if, if I take her out, it'll be like impossible to do anything. <laughs> so it's better we just stay stay in the house. So um, it's, it's, it's like missing out sometimes. But I still try to like make time for the things that I like because I think it just makes me a happier parent. And this is very important. Taking time out to also cater to your own needs and interests so that you don't lose yourself. And so you have that me time away from all the noise and stress of mommying. Motora is introverted, same as she was growing up. So in her free time, she reads books as she did growing up. She also hosts and produces her own podcast, which I've been on. It's called Life in Brown Podcast. Do you have any big dreams for your daughter in terms of, oh, this is the kind of um this is how I want her to turn out um I don't even mean in terms of like having a career or whatever it's just like what kind of child do you want her to be if you've ever like fantasized about that oh I have like loads of big dreams so much <laughs> <laughs> Tell and me. I also and I also I, of course like it's her life so she's going to be the one who defines it on me but I feel the way I when I look at her I always look at her with like hope and mm-hmm. the fact that she'll probably have it better than me 
at least that's like my hope and prayer that mm. like in terms of even maybe related to like feminism like the fact that the way things are changing with women like I want her to be able to like make her own choices and not mm-hmm. be like oh I'm doing this because I want to make my mom happy I love that so much and I really hope her daughter grows up to be an amazing confident and successful woman Motora and I talked for over an hour and as we wrapped up our conversation, I realized that I had not asked her about mom guilt. Mom guilt is something I see a lot in my friends who have kids. It's basically this strong feeling that you've done something wrong to cause your child harm, regardless of whether or not it's true. A lot of the time, mom guilt comes from this crazy expectation of not being the perfect mother. Do you ever experience mom guilt, first of all? And if yes, like, how do you just reconcile I guess the guilt that you're feeling about whatever it is you feel like you've done. I I get, I think mine is even like complex. I get like mom mm-hmm. and wife guilt. Like I feel like Aww. I'm supposed to be this super, I'm supposed to be like, because even on Mother's Day, I was telling my husband, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to be like this super wife, super mom. And some days I'm just like, I just want to lie down. I don't want to like do anything. I don't want to, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to like wife stuff i don't want to do mother mom stuff i just want to just be and but you feel like you have i I definitely feel like mom guilt sometimes mom guilt is so crazy so this one time my friend cried throughout a girl's trip because she felt so guilty for leaving her three-year-old at home at the time with her dad she felt like she had abandoned her duty as a mom to have fun with her friends her daughter wasn't in any danger and her husband was perfectly capable of taking care of the kid for a few days But that guilt just didn't disappear. And there's really no magic hack for it to go away. It's just one of those things that you kind of have to constantly convince yourself every day that you're doing your best. But after some time, I just tell myself, like, I think the most important is, like, loving and listening to your child and Mm. being, like... I think now we have, like, conversations about mental health and just, like, being... Mm -hmm. Like, not being stressed because... You realize that when you're, if you're, if you're too tired and you're always like busy doing one thing or the other, then you end up like taking it out on like your partner, your child. You. Mm-hmm. So like one thing I try to do is like, yes, I have to like take time for myself, but I think it will only make me a more present and better, just like a happier parent and wife. Ah, uh, I like this perspective. Motora is saying that sometimes you just have to take those breaks from being a mom, even if you feel guilty about it. Because being well-rested will help your parents better as you're calmer and more relaxed. So right now, Motora is taking things one day at a time. Her baby is two and a half years old, so she has a long way to go. She's doing her best not to overthink things. It's not easy, but she's doing it. She's now at a point in her life where she understands motherhood from her own perspective. And it's not in a rush to make any important decisions. So and I'm like, you know what? My brain is tired right now. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it now. Like wow. nobody's going to die. Like if I don't make a decision this afternoon. <laughs> Mosraya caught me off guard during our conversation. She asked me something that even now, months after our chat, I still don't have an answer to. Do you think you want to have children or you, or you don't? Um, God, I like, I think I'm just like you in this situation where I'm like, I don't want to think about it. I don't know. At first, I was like, I, I don't want to have kids. Um, and that's kind of the mindset that I went to marriage with. I told my husband, like, look, I don't want to have kids. And he agreed. Mm-hmm. But then lately, I I think I want to, but I don't know. I'm not trying to think about it. But I mean, I have a Yoruba mom who is like, 
what are you waiting for? So I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. There's so many things that scare me about having kids. The pregnancy and childbirth process, all of that pain. The fact that my life will drastically change because I have to consider a whole other human and just the responsibility of raising a child. Like if I'm sick or having a mental breakdown, I still have to parent. The thing is, it's difficult to, when you're ill, sometimes I, like, I'll tell mm-hmm. my husband if he's frailing, he would um, look after her. Also, I'm, what, like my my husband's sister my sister-in-law lives not too far away like oh, half yes. an, like half an hour away sometimes my daughter if she's available then my daughter goes to like spend a couple of hours or a night at their house oh, and nice. that way but the thing is you don't know when you have you'll be ill so but sometimes i would um like for example i had um it wasn't really like i was ill like laser eye surgery and then my so I had to like rest and I couldn't do much. Mm-hmm. So my husband just did everything while I was like lying in bed and I was like, this is so nice to just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> like I wish I could have this at least once a month. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that way. So it helps to have like a supportive partner basically. That's why I'm like for, for days when, um, yeah, yeah, when you're just, because I can't imagine also, like, oh my God. Or, or you just, or like you, or you try and do, or you like you pl- not plan because you don't know when you're going to be sick but maybe like if i'm the only one in the house with her and i'm not feeling mm. well then maybe we'll just do she'll be in the parlor like playing and you just you just try and take the day easy rather right. than trying to do different things if we just sit like watch tv and do something low low energy so that you can mm. you not know, so you can have the space and time to do that mm. and maybe not cook other food so that you, so they can like, not stress to- like okay take it easy really because there's nothing else you can do essentially one thing that's evident about motherhood is that there's no formula as a mom you have to find what works best for you and your child and stick to it there are going to be a lot of frustrating days a lot of unsolicited advice from random people and a lot of i want to pull my hair out moments but in the end according to motorio the key is to take things slowly and be kind to yourself try and take breaks like to get mm. to get supports if you can so mm. that way you're able to even if it's just like 10 minute breaks to just decompress and so that it's not like intense changing happy bath for the child do this do that you kind of have like some time for yourself to just decompress I think that would be like one of the things I'll say and another thing I'll say is like not to compare yourself to like other moms on Instagram <laughs> don't compare yourself to other moms on Instagram that's hilarious but it's so true Every mom and child's journey is different. It doesn't help to compare yourself to someone else. Motora is taking time out for herself as she's realized that when it comes to her daughter, she doesn't have to make decisions in a rush. It's not easy, but she's doing her best. It also helps that she has a supportive partner and family. I hope more mothers or soon-to-be mothers do not feel compelled to compare their journeys to the journeys of other mothers. It's hard, I know, but this is my wish. And as I've learned from Motora's journey, Being a mom is difficult. It has so many complex layers. I hope moms out there give themselves grace. And I'm rooting for Motunrayo. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Like Girls. I Like Girls is produced by 27 Productions. If you'd like to get in touch with us, visit ilikegirls.co. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at ilikegirlsgang. Please rate and review I Like Girls on whatever streaming platform you listen to podcasts on. 
Rating us helps other people to discover the podcast just like you. This episode is produced by me, Aisha Salahuddin, and written by Olivia Obuago. Audio engineering is by Daniel Atkins, and our theme music is by Bangs with a double G. The rest of the music you heard throughout this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'll catch you on the next one.